Well, good morning. It is great to see everyone today. I'm so glad that you have chosen to worship with us, and I know we've got some new folks. And so I want you to know, um, if you are a guest with us, newer or brand new with us for the very first time, we love it when new folks come and check out our church. And so if I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in, my name is Bill, and it's my privilege to serve as a lead pastor here at the table. And I want you to know, we absolutely want to connect with you. And so if you have questions about the church or questions about you know, something that we've done this morning or that you hear in the message, um, let me know. I'll be available after the service this morning. I'll head out to the connection area, so out the doors to the right. I'll just kind of hang out over there. would love to, to visit with you for a few minutes. I'm really excited that you um, have chosen to worship with us this morning. Now, on your way in, you might have received one of these little cards, um, so hopefully you got that. If you didn't, maybe it was because you saw what it said and you ran away from it and you thought, what's wrong with you? Um, it's like Walmart. I went to Walmart a couple weeks ago, and, um, which I never do, but they had all their Christmas stuff out already. And so you're like, it's, it's not even Halloween. What, what, what's the deal with the Christmas things? So yes, we have to be like Walmart and begin thinking about Christmas already. We are planning um, for that as a staff. But the reason that we um, are handing those out today is to let you know that we are having a children's choir that's going to perform in our services on December the 18th. The reason that that information is really important for you today is because rehearsals for that start next Sunday. Um, And so moms and dads, if you have kids um, that want to participate in that, those rehearsals will take place um, during the 9 o'clock service. And so make sure you use that QR code to get your kids signed up and you don't miss that. Hopefully you already know that because Brandy has sent that out to um, all of our families in the email. But just in case, know that that's coming. And so the rest of us that don't have kids in that age range anymore. We know we have something special to look forward to um, when we get into the Christmas Eve or the Christmas season. And we're not going to think about it until then, but we know what's happening. Okay. So that's good. Let me pray. And then we'll jump into the message. Father, I do pray that you would quiet our hearts over the next few minutes and that you would speak to us. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Encourage us in those places where we need to be encouraged. But I pray God that you would meet with us today. And it's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. I have been bothered by a question for the last few months, and it's one that, I'll be honest, like I, I don't want to think about it. I don't want it to linger in my mind too much for fear of how I would truthfully answer that question. A couple of months ago, I was having a conversation with a group of pastor friends, and another friend that we know, he had resigned his church and resigned from his ministry um, several months before. And as we were talking, he got brought up in the conversation, you know, how's he doing? So one of the guys that I was talking to had actually spoken with him and he shared with the group that he hadn't attended church since the time that he resigned from his church and it had been over six months. And the guy that I was talking to in that conversation had talked with him. He said to him, man, like, I don't understand. How can you do that? For years, you stood up on Sunday morning talking about the importance of church, encouraging people to attend church, to be involved in church and all of that. And now look at what you're doing. And he said to us, I just don't get it. But I thought to myself, man, I do. Because it was then that I was confronted with a question that I honestly don't want to answer, I don't want to think about. And the question is this, if you weren't a pastor, would you attend church? It's interesting for me, I've never like truthfully had the option to go to church or not. I mean, growing up in my family, like it was a given, and then by nature of my employment, it was also always a given. But I do wonder, 
how I'd answer that question. I know how I'm supposed to answer that question. I'm supposed to say, of course, I would attend church. I understand the importance of being involved in church. I mean, I grew up in church. You, many of you know part of my story that was highly influential on my life, my involvement in church. And I think when it comes down to it, if I weren't a pastor, would I attend church? I would do so because I know it's the right thing to do. And hopefully that's just a part of who I am. You do the right thing just because you know it's the right thing to do. But the reason I don't really want to think about that question is because I'm not really sure how I would feel about attending church. And I know some of you are thinking, Bill, how can you stand up on Sunday morning and say that? Like, if that's how you feel, how are we supposed to feel? And I understand that. But I think I need to be honest with you. you know, I, it's a value that we have as a church is authenticity and I don't know if some of you may have picked up on this. There's This series is kind of therapy um, for me and for our staff a little bit sometimes. And so I want to tell you why I, I am fearful that I would feel the way that I am afraid that I would. And that's because like I recognize that there are a lot of things in the world of the church today, at least in America, that get associated with Christianity that just aren't Christian. So in churches, I think it's presented a lot. Like to be a Christian, this is what you have to do or what you ought to do or you ought to think this. And I think to myself, that's not true. Now, some of those things aren't necessarily bad. So they're not bad things, but they are just things that aren't Christian. They get associated with Christianity, but they're not essential to be a Christian. There are other things that I think are talked about in churches, like here's what it means to be a Christian, and I think it's honestly at times anti-Christian. And so in the role that I, am that I have now, and the influence that I have, when I see some of those things happen in the world of the church, and I, I get it, like this I don't know, it almost maybe it feels a little arrogant for me to say this, and I don't mean it that way, but when I see things happening in the world, maybe I can have influence in our church and, and, and help us to not be like those bad things that I see that exist out there. And I even have influence with other churches in, in certain places, a little bit of influence with other pastors and churches, and so I think maybe I can like help shape things a little bit. But So the reason I, I'm so afraid of how I'd feel if I weren't a pastor is without the role, without the influence... I just wonder if I, as I observe these things that are happening, because I've, if I didn't have that influence, would I just throw up my hands and walk away? We've talked about it in this series some. It shows up in the video, this deconstruction movement where younger adults primarily, especially, are asking questions about the faith, some of them walking away from the church. Some of the reasons are, are the frustrations that I have. They see things happening in the world of the church that just don't match up with their view of what the church is supposed to be or what it means to be a Christian. And because of their lack of influence or maybe their powerlessness to do anything about it, they're walking away from the church. Others walk away from the church for different reasons, though. Sometimes people walk away from the church because they're wounded by the church. So the church does something, and I wouldn't say that it does something intentionally, but does something, hopefully it never happens intentionally, but they, the church does something that hurts a person. 
Sometimes it's not just what the church does, it's what the church doesn't do that can wound a person as well. It could be an unmet expectation. There's an expectation that the church is supposed to do something and that in a certain situation and the church doesn't do it. There can be a wounding that results from that. Sometimes I think it's unrealistic expectations. There's an unrealistic expectation that the church is supposed to do something that they don't do. At other times, I'll just be really honest, I think it's a realistic expectation. But for whatever reason, maybe something falls through the cracks and the church doesn't do what it's meant to do, and so there can be a wounding that results from that. I will tell you the scariest thing for me as a pastor is to think that I could do something that would cause somebody to walk away from the church. I'll tell you it's bad when maybe we do something or I do something that causes somebody to walk away from our church, but knowing that they're just going to go to another church, right? That never feels good, but it's okay. They're still going to be connected somewhere. But what's far worse than that is me thinking that I could do something that would cause people to walk away from church for good. And the truth is that there's no perfect church. The church is made of imperfect people. We've talked about this. If you stay around church long enough, you're likely to experience something that would be a potential reason to cause you to walk away from the church. If you have been with us in this series, the first week I shared my story of the, what happened in our church when I was growing up. And it's been interesting over the last few weeks working through this series. Many of you have come to me and said, here's my story. Here's what happened to me. And I've thought to myself, I mean, how is it that you're still a part of a church? Like To me, it's miraculous that this is the case. Because you have experienced things that are justifications to walk away from the church and never come back. And I say, how is that even possible? And maybe part of the reason that you're still here is because of some of what we're going to talk about today. Because of regard, regardless of how you feel, you can't quit the church. And this morning I want to tell you why. So if you have a Bible with you, we, you can turn to the passage that we're looking at this morning in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. And Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, the first gospel or the, the story of the life of Jesus. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, it'll be on the screen as I read it. Or if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can navigate your way to our live event and follow along. Let me read this passage for us. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And the Son of Man being the, the title the, that Jesus often used of himself. And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys to the king of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one 
that he was the Messiah. The key phrase that we are going to be looking in, looking at, zooming in on today is the phrase where Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. And you might find this interesting. Jesus used the word church exactly two times in his ministry. At least two times it's recorded for us in the New Testament. It's entirely possible that he said it more than that. There are two times it's recorded for us. Now, you would think, in light of what Jesus came to do, that he would talk about the church a whole lot more than that. Jesus came to save sinners and to establish the church, and so you would think that he would talk about it a lot. I think he did talk about it a lot, but we don't see it because of how we define the word church. And so when we read the word church here in Matthew 16, when we read it in the New Testament, we have to ask ourselves the question, what did Jesus mean when he used the word church? We can't insert our definition or our experience into the mind of Jesus when he said it. So the question is, what did Jesus mean when he said church, not what do we mean when we say church? So Matthew 16 is actually the first time that Jesus used the word church. The other time that Jesus used the word church is in Matthew 18. In what is, many of you have heard me say this many times, is the ill-named church discipline passage. It is not identified very well because it is not about church discipline. It is not about kicking people out of the church and telling them how bad they are. It is about reconciliation, and so I wish we knew it as the personal reconciliation passage. It's there in Matthew 18 that Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, which is really important, so it's not just if your brother sins, but if your brother sins against you, you go to him. If he doesn't listen to you, you take a witness. Why? It's to bring these two people back together again. And so ultimately, if that person who has offended you uh, has sinned against you, they don't listen, then you take it to the church, which I would submit has nothing to do with standing up on a stage, on a Sunday, in a service, telling a large group of people how bad someone is and that they can no longer attend church. Because again, it's not what do we mean, what our experience is, how we use the word church. The question is, how did Jesus use the word church? So let's talk about the day that Jesus first used the word church. started with a question. Who do people say that I am? I wonder how long the disciples looked at their feet when Jesus asked that question. Right? In school, I was never one who was really quick to answer questions from a teacher, afraid that I would get it wrong or something. And so if I were in the shoes of the disciples in their sandals on that day, there's no chance that I would have said anything. After some moments of silence, one of the disciples said, you know, Jesus, I've heard people identify you as John the Baptist. By this point in Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, he had been killed. And so many people thought that Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated. Somebody else then said, well, I've heard people say that you're Elijah. Elijah is a prophet in the Old Testament. But there is a prophecy in the Old Testament about Elijah coming back. And so people thought, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is Elijah who's come back. Somebody else said, I've heard people say that you're maybe Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And we're not exactly sure uh, with the association between that other than the fact that people looked at Jesus and saw him having some spiritual authority. And so there's some correlation to somebody with spiritual authority somewhere. Maybe that's who Jesus is. 
And then the question changed. And he said, what about you? Who do you think that I am? And the way that I picture this scene, Peter's hand immediately goes up, a lot like the annoying kid who sits in the front of the middle school classroom, who as soon as the teacher asks a question, he's always got his hand up. I know, I know. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And what's incredible is that for the first time, this guy who most of the time gets it wrong, got it right. And I almost picture Jesus laughing at this point, like, yes, Peter, that is the right answer. But you know the reason you got the right answer is not because you just figured it out, but the reason you got the right answer is because my Father revealed this to you. And then Jesus said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. The beginning part of of that statement of Jesus, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. There is some some debate about its meaning. So when Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church, what was he referring to? Was he referring to Peter or was he referring to something else? I don't know if you've seen these commercials that have been on TV recently, uh, but it's a husband and wife kind of having a disagreement about something, and they're like, man, if we could just have the replay review of this, and they throw the challenge flag. I think in this case, if we could throw the challenge flag and have a video review of what was happening in this conversation with Jesus and the disciples, it would really help us out a lot. Because there's a play that is happening, a play on words, because Peter does mean rock. And so here's what I think Jesus is doing. Jesus said, you are Peter, you are rock, but on this rock, and he points to himself, I will build my church. And so what Jesus was doing when he said that is that he was saying that the foundation of the church is built on the person and work of Jesus. This identification of Jesus, which Peter very clearly laid out, that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the promised one, the Savior, the Son of the living God. It was on that foundation, that's what the church was built on. It's built on the person and work of Jesus who laid down his life for us and saved us from our sins so that we could have a relationship with God that lasts forever. But the most important question that we have to answer today is when Jesus said, I will build my church, what did he mean? I would submit to us, That when Jesus said, I will build my church, he was talking about people and not a place. It's so important that we don't insert our definition into what Jesus was saying or how we think about church. I don't know, John, why does it always happen on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock? If we could figure it out, we would fix it a long time ago. So it'll close in just a second. Jesus was talking about people, not a place. Now, we use the word church to talk about a place. You would say that right now you are at church, a place. You probably thought to yourself this morning, we're going to church, this place. But when Jesus used the word church, he was talking about people, not a place. The word church that Jesus uses is a Greek word, ekklesia. It's a compound word, meaning it's made up of two words. You shove them together. First word is ek, which is a preposition meaning out of or from. And then the second word is klesia, which at its root is uh, the word to be called. So when you put those two things together, lots of people will tell you this, that the 
church means that we are the called out ones. And we got to be careful with that. There's a sense in which it's true. But yet at the same time, when Jesus first used the word church, it was a relatively common word that just meant a group of people. It was often used to refer to, to an assembly of people who were gathered together for any reason at all. And so Jesus was talking about people, not a place. Think about what Jesus was doing. He was with his church. The disciples assembled together, and he was saying to them, hey, I am going to add people to this group. My assembly is going to get bigger, and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. He was talking about people, not a place. On the day that Jesus used the word church, he was also talking about a movement and not a fortress. If you've been through Formed with us recently, which is uh, the class that we talk about is kind of uh, what leads to partnership in the table. If you've been through Formed, you've heard me say this. For years, I read this passage, not paying attention to the details, and viewed it wrongly. Because I always viewed the church as a fortress. And maybe because of the way that the church functions or has a tendency to function with the idea of the world is a scary place. If we just get people in here, then we can protect them in here. We'll fight to the death in here, almost like the Alamo. The enemy's going to come and attack us, but we are safe in here. But when Jesus was talking about the church, he was talking about a movement, not a fortress. Now, Jesus was describing in this passage a fortress. Did you notice that? But it's not, not the church. The fortress, in the words of Jesus, is hell. And the church, this movement of people going out, storming the gates of hell, knowing that the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it, recognizing that that is the case, that it's not the church that's a fortress, but the church is a movement against the gates of hell, which is that fortress, maybe then we should really pay attention to the words of Jesus and stop being so afraid about what's happening out there and go do what Jesus called us to do. When Jesus used the word church, he was talking about people, not a place, and a movement, not a fortress. So now let me tell you why you can't quit the church. First, you can't quit the church because you are the church. Church is people, not a place. So as Jesus is gathered with his followers saying to them, hey, I am going to add to this group by nature of the definition of what it means to be a church. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are the church and you can't not be something that you are. I am a father. So Mandy and I have two kids, Nathan and Caroline. Regardless of what I do, I will always be a father. I can act like I'm not a father. I can be an uninvolved father. I can be an absent father. That does not mean that I am not a father because it is who I am. If you are a follower of Jesus, you can't quit the church because you are are the church. 
It's your identity. Now, you can act like you're not part of the church. You can be an absent member of the church. You can be an uninvolved member of the church. But you cannot be, not be the church because it is who you are. And I would submit to us then, as a result of that, we ought to think about what it means to be a good member of the church. Can't quit the church because it's who we are. Second reason we can't quit the church is because it is not a resource to be consumed. You know, that's the way a lot of people think about the church, though. They think, I go to church so that my needs are met and I grow spiritually. Now, before I keep going, do we want you to grow spiritually through your involvement in our church? Yes, absolutely. But the church is not purely a resource to be consumed. See, a lot of people view the church, though, like they do a gym membership. So I would join a gym because I have some health and fitness goals that I need to achieve, that, you can, that gym can help me reach. But if something happens with that gym, maybe it gets too crowded when I want to go so that I can't use the right machines at the right time when I want to go. And maybe I'm going to go to the gym down the street. Or maybe when I reach those goals, I think to myself, I don't know if I really need to keep going there anymore. I can do this on my own. See, a lot of people will say something like this. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Like, I can read my Bible. I can pray on my own. I can do this on my own. And you know the reality is you don't have to attend church on a regular basis to be a Christian. You don't. But remember what Jesus said. He said, I will build my church. And when he used the word church, he was talking about an assembly, a gathering of people. He said, I will build my assembly, not just I will build individuals. You can't quit the church. It's who you are, and it's not just a resource to consume. But yet the reality is bad things happen in churches. We've talked about some of those things throughout this series, things that are happening in the world of the church. Stories come out all the time, and in fact, stories have been released since the time that we have been in this series that have been incredibly disturbing. So in those moments of frustration with what's happening, or in those moments when we get hurt, what do we do? I want to give you two things really quickly. The first is this. When you feel like you want to quit the church, lean in and in humility act like Jesus. I said it before, they're gonna, if you're around church long enough, you're going to experience something that would cause you to think, man, I don't know if I want to be a part of this anymore. And you're going to be tempted to walk away. You're going to want to push away from the church. But in those moments, I would encourage you, instead of pushing away, to lean in and get involved so that the church can be all that Jesus intended it to be. And I know we've got lots of new folks that have been coming to our services recently. And I would highly encourage you, lean in, get involved, help us to show this community what the community of faith is really supposed to be. 
lean in and serve so that we're serving together and serving our community. Lean in and be involved in a group. And maybe your mindset is, and this is a, a, a bad mindset, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that, but maybe your mindset is, I don't really need to be involved in a group, but here's what I would say to you. Maybe somebody needs you. So lean in. Get involved. Don't push away, but do it in humility. Because there are a lot of people who kind of get the idea, you can see them on the internet, all over the place, who just want to be critics of everything. And we have to be careful to not do that. But with humility, not that we've got all the right answers, but that in humility we're going to lean in and try to do the best that we can to make the church everything that Jesus meant it to be. So that's first. When you want to push away, lean in and get involved. Second thing I would really encourage you to do in those moments of frustration or in those moments of of hurt and pain, remember this. The church is God's plan A to reach the world, and there is no plan B. Church is God's plan A to reach the world. Remember I said that Jesus talked a lot about the church, but we miss it just because of the way that we think about church. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, what we refer to as the Great Commission, Jesus gathering his church once again. He told the disciples to meet him on the mountain. He gathered his assembly and said, go make disciples. That's our mission. That's what Jesus has called us to do. It's called the church to do. The way that we say it as a church is we exist to lead people into a life-saving relationship with Jesus. And it is our vision to see everyone's faith come alive so that we can deploy disciple makers and make the difference that Jesus has called us to make in the world that we live in, starting with our homes and then in the, where we work and in our schools and in our communities. This is what Jesus has called us to do. The church is God's plan A to reach the world. There is no plan B. Now, for just a second, I want you to think about this. This is not a great assumption, but let's just assume that we get it. Let's assume that we're the only ones that get it. Again, not a great assumption, but let's assume that we are the ones that get it. If we quit, if we give up, if we walk away, what's left? Because we have a mission that Jesus has called us to. And there is no plan B. I will freely admit to you there are moments of frustration that I have with things that are happening in the world of the church today that cause me to say, man, do I just need to walk away? But I can't. Because I know that there are people that are counting on us. And I think God has given us an incredible opportunity, an incredible mission field, that in the midst of all kinds of craziness that's happening in the world of the church, that we can be the place that says, here's what it means to be a genuine follower of Jesus. Regardless of how we feel, we can't quit the church. So let's lean in and make a difference and do what Jesus has called us to do. Will you pray with me?